Hello everyone, I'm Nate Truex and you're listening to the Crockcast Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Crockcast Podcast. I'm your host Nate and today I'm joined by uh, Brian McDowell. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, it's a pleasure Nate, thanks for having me. So, uh, want to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I mean, I would say I'm more of a herpetology enthusiast, and uh, mainly so. by that. Yeah, I mean, mainly field herping is awesome, but I like going beyond. I like actually looking into the sciences of it and whatnot in my free. And you know, since we're both in the Midwest, you know, the active season is coming to a close, at least for yeah. for reptiles. You know. Yeah. Uh, so what part of the Midwest are you in? So good old Illinois. Okay. So good old state from road, you. You're from, yeah, yeah. You're from Ohio, aren't you? Yep. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, usually I do make the pilgrimage with some buddies down to, to Shawnee to see snake road and, and some friends. Not, not this year though, or at least not this fall. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be, hopefully I'll be able to do it this spring, but we'll see. Have you ever been? No, I have not. Oh yeah, dude, you can't be a Midwesterner unless unless you've been there. <laughs> yeah, need to check that off. Uh, so, have you done any like professional work with reptiles at all? No, unfortunately not. No, actually, I just uh, got my associates in general science this May and. I, I was going to probably go back to school and do um, crap, some, something with geography, probably GIS or or blue or something blue collar. But, you know, my dad's been going through like some big trials and tribulations with health. So I'm, I've mainly been kind of taking it easy and just being with the family, helping them out. Yeah. 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 So you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your herping experiences? I mean, sure. So like I said, since uh, I just finished with my associates, I'm a part-time photographer and now comes the season that's starting to wind down and I have more free time. But even even when the, the season is at its peak, at its apex, I still have kind of a lot of leeway in my free time. And so I, I tend to plan small herping trips or big trips. It just depends on, on the free time I have. Like uh, like this year, I decided to stay national, so I didn't go anywhere out of the country. But it was probably, arguably, I would say, the best herping season so far. Uh, where all where all you go this season? Oh well, like I said, I mainly stayed local, so I mainly stayed in Illinois. But it's it was more of the finds, or like the you know everybody has their life list or what they want to see. And this year was no different. I mean. I mean, just to name off a few, you know, Plains hognose or Western hognose, you know, that was a big, and you know, I didn't even find it. I was with a buddy who found it. And, you know, those are, those are pretty hard to come by in the state. Yeah. I didn't know they got that far east. Yeah. I mean, where, where their most Eastern extent, which is just really cool in and of itself. And, you know, there's some populations that are more well-known than others, but where my buddy and I found it, it's, uh, I would say that population is probably the toughest to find any because it's a pretty big expanse here in, in central Illinois on the on the sand prairies and whatnot. 
Gotcha. And so it was a big adult too, man. It was, it was a big female. Yeah. Yeah. I also saw, uh, I recently uploaded some pictures of a big old bull snake you found. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I said it in the post too. Um, I try not to hype them up so much, but it's tough because they are naturally beautiful here in our state. You know, we're blessed with phenotypes here. And uh, yeah, I mean, they are big and whatnot, but they're also subject to, uh, to over harvesting, I would say, you know, I, I spend time with a lot of older folks that are into herbs, you know, they could say back in the day, you know, the scene. Yeah. And I mean, I believe because, you know, pitch you off, especially bull snakes, they have the capacity to get that big. I've personally never found one bigger than five and a half, close to six foot. And that's a big snake for me. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're real neat. They're, I would say, I would say they are my favorite Illinois snake and just one of my favorite U.S. snakes in general. Yeah. Do you guys get, you guys don't get them. They're, that's way too, not even pine snakes, right? No, too far north for pine snakes, too far east for gophers. Uh, tragic, tragic, but no, no worries. You still got big rat snakes and whatnot. Yeah, but those things are, well, when you find them, it's a good day, but they're sneaky. Yes. Yeah. They, oh, dude. So I, I love them too. Like I don't take them for granted whatsoever. I love me any kind of rat snakes and you're right. Like they're so secretive. Like they may be a common big snake, but you just never know where you're going to find one. Yeah. Unlike Northern water snakes or basically just around any pond or river, you're going to find them. Yeah. When you're feeling low and you know, it hasn't been too snaky. Nerodia is what you rely on. <laughs> you're sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. And also, I mean, not to jump ship too much, but also you guys got cool hog noses. I mean, like the the platyrhinus, they're real cool looking your way. Yeah, well, if you want to talk about something that's state endangered, that's top of the list right there. Is it really? Yeah, that's actually state endangered because I guess like pretty much everywhere else, everyone around here has a extreme copperhead phobia, even though copperheads haven't been found in my neck of the woods in decades. So you just see a hog nose and just take a shovel to it. Well, yeah, with a hog nose, it's even worse because of their uh, display. And you know, like, uh, take uh, the case brown. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous what people will say is a cop is a, a copperhead. Yeah, you know. But you know, I, I hear that's a trend for uh, for Easterns that all across their range they're kind of in decline. Hmm. For me, they're they're a pretty rare snake for me to find too. I've only seen, I think, about three ever yeah well that's well it's your uh, high school biology teacher who's you know spent his whole time his whole life out you know out in the woods walking around he said in his whole mm. 60 plus years of life he only ever found one eastern hog nose so oh man what a bummer but yeah it, it can go like that with some species you know so yeah so what are some of your most uh memorable uh herping experiences you know, that's that's a really good question because there's so many experiences to take from the field. Uh, uh, I guess one that's from this season two, besides that bull snake, was uh, uh, actually a black rat from uh, Missouri. It was, um, I was in the St. Francis mountain ranges and, you know, they have various natural areas along it. And I was in one that's like known for being quite glade-like or like, I mean, it is glades, but you know, it was a fantastic day there. 
Um, I found a couple lifers, like some uh, some flat-headed snakes, which are <laughs> real hard to come by. And I even got lucky enough to see uh, uh, eastern collared lizards, which are hmm. another cool species. Yeah, you know, just another another critter that reaches its uh, most eastern extent in the Midwest. Yeah. But yeah, and then just going along, it was, it was a great day overall. And then I was in some woodlands that was uh, adjacent to some glades. And then almost like a halo was uh, guiding me to where I was going. I see this, you know, this big fallen tree and atop it was a big, big black rat. It was probably like about five, five and a half foot. And it was just calm as can be. I mean, I was some distance away because it was down a slope, like, like 40, 40 yards away. But like I said, literally, it was scenic, picture perfect. The, the sunlight was going through the canopy and it was just illuminating the, this real, because, you know, Missouri rat snakes are real different from uh, Illinois rat snakes. I mean, they're actually different species, but I consider them all the same. But in Missouri, they actually stay real black, you know? Yeah, you have more grays around where you're at. Yeah, they're they're all grays in Illinois. Like you know, the dividing range is the the Mississippi, which is still ridiculous, but that's what that's what science says. Yeah, well, it it's Panthropus taxonomy, so in five years will be completely different, probably. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know your age, but we're relatively young. I don't mind Panthropus. Elafe is a, a great genus name, but obviously, it's a taxonomic waste basket. You know, there's so many, so much yeah. stuff in it already. So I, I don't mind the name change, but with the uh, with the splitting of the rat snakes, that's another story. Um, but yeah, yeah, like back to my rat snake story. It's a great rat snake. I I, I approached it obviously, but you know I, I've been getting to the point in my in my field herping where I, I try not to grab or touch every critter that I see. You yeah, know, just so I can see their natural behaviors, what they're doing, because I'm a naturally patient guy. Um, so sometimes I just don't. Have find a reason to just grab them and, fo and photograph them, and that rat snake was a perfect example of it. I mean, I got up to like ten yards. Then it noticed me, but it, it never moved its body posture. Like it was still basking on that log, and I, I got my photos. And eventually, I did disturb it enough with my presence, but I, I never touched it. And that was probably one of my more memorable experiences this active season, and from just a common herb. So it's like. Any critter, any any experience with a critter out in the wild is just fantastic. Yeah. So you ever done any uh, international herping? Yeah, and funny enough, I did even before I knew what herping really was because um, on my mother's side, she is from Panama, Central America. Huh. And, yeah, and ever since I was little, I, I would go visit family over there. And, and you know, it's funny when you're when you're younger, you take that kind of stuff for granted. I thought it was normal to book it on a plane to Central America, spend a couple months, because that's what we would do. We would spend a couple months, come back, start school. And now as I got an older, you know, the, the gaps in between visiting have become longer. But the most recent trip back there was December 2021. And, and you know, that was fantastic just to see family and friends. And uh, it, it, was, it's, it was also kind of awkward too, because, you know, I'm with my cousins who were generally around the same age as me. And I, last time I saw them, I was 15, 16. So to see them now, it's like kind of like adults. It's just like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and then you know, just like here in America, it was like, hey, you're just kind of like a snake guy over there. I see your, I see your posts <laughs> and stuff. It's like, yeah, and, and what's funny down there is obviously you got the corals, and you got you know, like any rhyme or reason reason you have up here in the states does not work. Once yeah. you hit the once you hit the tropics, it's it's a different story. And all my family members, whether it be some slight inclination to fascination, most of my family members were pretty much fearful of snakes. And they would mainly kill them on sight if, if they could. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, I have family in, in like almost all of the, of the country. I think uh, Panama's divided. I think it has around eight or ten pr uh, provinces, something like that. Some in the interior and some in the and uh, near Panama City. I have some members in Panama City. And what's great about there is that you know you're right on the Pacific. And there's tons of inlets. Um, seeing Akutis, you know, seeing American Crocs was was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lamb and, uh, and Spectacle Cayman, or I guess you know, and that's another taxonomic mystery. Yeah. Like, 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 fus like Fuscus, like Brown Cayman. Like, um, I, I guess I think we have a mix of that. It's either the nominate species or we have Fuscus. I honestly don't know. That's I mean, Cayman crocodilus. That's, I think, for a while now. That's just been a species primed to get divvied up by taxonomists. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they, hey, you know, it, it wasn't so long wrong. ago they split off, split off uh, the Yukaris. So, really, well, yeah. I mean, the, the differentiation between those is kind of obvious. But with Fuscus, I don't mind. And then they even have like you know, uh, Rhea, what Apopora came in. They have down. Yeah. Colombia or, or Bolivia or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, so. some one random isolated river somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's all it takes, you know. It's so funny with reptiles and, and how much of a percentage is is needed for deep, uh, uh, what, you, what you call it, differentiation of species. But yeah, what we have is, uh, I'll go with Fuscus in Panama. So, and I saw those two. That was real neat. I was actually walking, I was walking in a national park and it was daytime, so it was pretty hot. So, hurt wise, just mainly mainly saurians, mainly anoles and, and other lizards. Um, but there was a small like puddle that was kind of in the canopy on the side of the trail, and you know I saw like, like these two black things. I was like, that looked pretty interesting. So I got closer, and it was you know the two 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 eyes of a caiman, and it was a relatively small guy, like about probably three three foot. And, you know, I, I got closer and then it sunk back down. And that was the end of my uh, uh, crocodilian experience, at least for that day. And I, yeah. I thought for that trip, because mainly that trip was mo mostly for family. And, you know, just when I had my free time with the car, I would go out. But, you know, Panama's awesome. You know, I, I suggest anyone that wants to go into the neotropics or the actual tropics do it, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, have, have you have you been into the tropics or anything? I'm guessing you probably wouldn't count Miami count area, but it's subtropic. It kind of counts, yeah. but <laughs> I mean, not, it really does travel. <laughs> I've never, uh, yeah, I've never been outside outside the states. So, but yeah, but you know, I peeked a little bit on your stuff. You know, you've you've worked for or or uh, interned at a few places. Interned at like Proc Encounter with Chris and them. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and they have you know a nice menagerie of species over there too like that's why i brought up you know the other day or no oh yeah well 
the loco nocos. Are they? Do they have a? Do they have an attitude like that? Well, if you they see a bucket, you bring in a bucket of chicken, they'll start fighting over who gets in the prime feeding spot. So, I mean, who, who wouldn't? <laughs> when chicken's hungry. chicken. Yeah, yeah, but no, they're a cool species. Is that something you would want to? plan a trip for to go into like you know well maybe maybe not those countries because they are kind of in conflict <laughs> I, I didn't think about uh, i didn't think about that yeah it's like uh venezuela probably not probably not the best place to go herping uh, no no uh, do they venture into colombia i, I forget i think they might like in I, I i think it might have a little bit of range in colombia i have to look it up but if they are probably but that basin that basin's huge like it, it does yeah. i think it is southeastern colombia if i'm wrong yeah, I think I think it does stretch into Colombia. The thing is, though, their wild population has just been so you know thinned out that if they are in Colombia, they're probably like the rarest hen's teeth. So, yeah. Well, the nice thing is that we're now in a time more than ever where there's plenty of organizations that's doing stuff with their conservancy, like Dragonwood or, or you know, yeah. uh, cracking counters. Where maybe in the future they will rebound in a in considerable numbers. Yeah, you know. they actually gotta do a little bit of help with uh, Orinoco conservation. Well, a little bit. Where um, I don't know. Well, you're from Illinois, so you might know uh, uh, Rob Carmichael and Wildlife. Uh, what's it in uh, Lake Forest? Yeah, Illinois. Yeah, I, I never visited a place. Sadly, it's closed now. I never yeah. visited. I was going. To, I was going to volunteer there, but I know the place you're talking about. Yeah, well, he had a pair of uh, juvenile Orinocos that he he needed transported down to. Chris's place in uh, Houston, so drove all the way over to Chicago, picked them up, and drove all the way down to Houston, transported them. So, oh, dude, that's that's an adventure. Yeah, were they little guys or like what? Are we, what are we talking about? Uh, probably. Oh, it's not bad. Like three and a half. Yeah, it's not bad. Two and a half, three foot. Yeah, but it was kind of fun trying to walk past the concierge desk at the hotel, saying that you know, the night driving down and sure. just hoping that they don't ask what's in the, what's in the basket I'm carrying. What's in the box. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause you know, we have the big shows here too, like Tinley and whatnot. And, you know, oh, I need to go to Tinley sometime. You know, all the vendors, they, you know, they say the same thing where, you know, they're carrying some totes into their, into their rooms. And, you know, now, nowadays the concierge and everybody, they kind of know what's up, but yeah, they don't, they don't really press the issue. They know what's going on. Yeah, but like uh, that was fall 2020, I want to say I did that. Yeah, fall 2020. But in like February 2020, you know, right before everything hit the van, so to speak, I actually uh, mm. did, did another transport job for Rob where I transported a six-foot-long saltwater croc all the way down to Houston. Oh, wow. Yeah. Busy, busy. That's cool, though. That's awesome. Yeah. Fortunately, I decided to stay in motels instead of hotels because – no, they're not going to ask about anything in the motel. So, oh yeah, more low key. That's always the way to go when you yeah. can. Yeah. yeah, but you know, motel manager finds out about it and be like, honestly, it could have been worse. There's there's a lot worse things brought <laughs> to our rooms every night. Oh, I can only imagine. That's awesome though. So I guess you got to spend like a couple days doing that and then actually checking out the place where you, where you were transporting them. Yeah, I was transporting them to Crocodile Encounter. So. Yeah, man, I would love to go out there. Yeah. Yeah, because he has a couple, he has a few species, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he's uh thing is he's kind of streamlining his uh species countdown now the moment. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't have to have the numbers, but like probably like in the tens or, or less. I'll see if I go off the top of my head. When I was interning there back in twenty nineteen, he had you know, Orinoco, Salties, Niles, uh you know, it's African dwarfs. Oh, cool. Uh, at least one species of Paleosuchus. He might have both. Uh, spec speckled caimans, uh, Siamese, Cubans. Let's see, are we missing anything? American well, alligators, are, but Chinese alligators. Yeah. To touch on the dwarf stuff, you know, Trigonotus, they're cool. They're not overrated. They're not my favorite, but Palpebrosis is where it's at. Oh, definitely. I think mainly because of the coloration and just, you know, they got a different kind of a more dense build to them. Yeah. I always said, I always thought that uh, Palbrosis looked more quote unquote dog-like in relative term. Yeah. Whereas yeah, uh, Dragonauts yeah. looked more like dragon or draconian almost. So that's a good way of referencing it. And it's true. You know, I, I, I think Palbrosis, they put the bro, in it because they they are they are a bro in in the dwarf caiman world i i'd say you yeah. know i mean they're so you know like i i guess we didn't touch on this but crocodilians were like my first true love in in the hurt world and it kind of stemmed what i was like kind of kind of getting at yesterday it stemmed from a, a love of paleontology you know I, I don't have the same love of it anymore but i still i still have i still have admiration for the science but you know eventually i figured out well you know Dinosaurs and you know other extinct animals are are dead. They're they're not coming back anytime soon. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. So so why not focus some attention on stuff that that is extant? So you know it just kind of stemmed off from paleontology, and then I kind of realized, well, I'm not living in Florida, so I don't have easy access to crocodilians. <laughs> yeah. And so and so then I just went down the list of like you know the other the other orders, and I was like, well. I'm content, you know. Yeah, at least in terms of archosaurs, you do have plenty of birds, but yeah, but you know, such a fall from grace they've taken. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're beautiful. No, no shame in it. Like I, my one of my best friends is a birder. I'm just like, you know what? Birds of prey, and all birds are cool, but they're, they're not dense. They're not the same as they once were in, in the Mesozoic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Survivors, but, uh, though, but but not the same. Yeah. But no, I guess getting back to Crocs. So I did tell you I saw uh, Fuscus in Panama. And then I think after the new year, like I think January, because we, we were there for quite a while in December going into January. And then I think um, I think it was January the 3rd. So this is actually a cool story. So January the 3rd, somehow I got into contact with this one dude who was part of the Smithsonian uh, institution they got over in Panama City, hmm. and he was yeah, and he was he was aiming to do like a, a night hike on this in the national park that I was at during the daytime. He was aiming to do a night hike in one of the one of the creeks that stems off the the Pacific Ocean. And I talked to him. His name was Andy. Cool dude. I was like, hey, you know, I'm into herbs and, and all this, and you know, would you mind if I tagged along? I said, oh, please. We have nobody that's like into this stuff. So so I did. And man, you know, going to the tropics, you know, like jungle, jungle at night, it's a different kind of darkness. You know, a lot of people say the same thing. It's, you know, it's the noises are intense. 
the darkness is almost overwhelming. But eventually I met up with Andy and then a few other people, a few other students that wanted to join. And we walked down down the creek. It was a, so to picture this creek, usually and, and like in a in wintertime, it's kind of like the it's kind of the dry season over there in Panama. And so all the water level is relatively low, but not really because you know it's still still in the tropics, so it still rains a crap ton. But yeah, so this creek system was real low, like I'd say below 30% is full capacity and whatnot. But even even being that low, it had uh, pocket pools where water would collect, and it was actually a lot deeper, kind of like like cenotes in, in uh, Mexico. But we were walking, and we weren't finding too much, mainly frogs and and toads and scorpions. So you know, we made the most of it. It's, it's always a pleasure just seeing stuff like that. But obviously, there was no snakes and and, uh, and frogs. I was like, well, this is kind of a bust, but. I say that, I said that, and then with my head torch, I shine like two kind of reddish looking eyes kind of on the surface of the water. It's like, I could be making that. And then I completely forgot that, you know, Crocs have that lucidum <laughs> tempatum in the back of their eyes. I was like, holy shit, it's a, it's a Croc. So, so I'm walking over to it and it, it still hasn't moved away. I was like, man, what do I do? Do I, do I grab it? And then while, while I was debating what to do, it just, ducked into some weeds and then i was like eh, i'm not gonna bother it because I, yeah. I was like i was kind of i was dragging behind the group so it's mainly just me and so i i met up with the group again and then we went to this one place where i guess i i think glow worms or something it, it was some type of illumination phenomenon and it was really cool we turned off all our lights we saw it after that we headed back to the uh to the trail marker and then on our way back, I, I shine uh, like I guess four four sets of eyes. I was like, okay, what are we what are we working with here? <laughs> so I go to the first eye shine, and it's a crock. And then it, it does this submerged thing as I got closer, but it it looked bigger. I was like, this is not the same animal. But I was like, no, I kind of need to examine it and just check this thing out. And so I'm getting to it, and then I just. I grab it, I pull it onto shore. And, and, and funny when I when I grab it, you know you get that, you know, that adrenaline rush from Yo, yeah. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's something that doesn't leave you. To this day, I think that was probably the most adrenaline I've had from herping. But yeah, so I grabbed this croc and it, it it's relatively docile, it's calm. But I grab it and I'm looking at the size of it, and it was like about a little bit bigger than than what you were transporting or no close like three and a half to four foot i was like oh this is a lot bigger than i thought it was <laughs> but it, it really didn't struggle too much i got it onto shore kind of kind of straddled it and then i just examined it and and, you know, and then i gave you know a little bit of a introduction to it to, to all the students i was like oh wow is, is that a caiman is that a gator it's like and then i was giving them the whole spiel of yeah. it and and you know it was really cool to examine the heads because you know you're not that close to them you really start to appreciate just how narrow and long it was yeah. you know it was a young it was a young croc but i was i was taken aback by how narrow oh yeah yeah especially if it's like a well prepubescent males and stuff like that you have you know really skinny jaws before they start bulking up yeah yeah that's what really surprised me and then i even did i i even sexed it or like what i think was sexting because i think the thing is that 
because you know they they have muscles down there too so obviously maybe they didn't want me to go there but i think it was a female it seemed like it was a female so a nice yeah. young female and yeah relatively calm docile great experience for for the group and not and me and then after a while i just let her back go in the, in the creek system without hardly a ripple you know she never tried to buy it or anything it was it was a really cool experience yeah yeah that's like another species of crocodilian that seems kind of primed to get broken up is acutus because it just has such a wide range yeah yeah well, i mean they talk about that with salties and so it's only obvious you would talk about another you know ocean going ocean going croc yeah, yeah. but uh and then we i also did ended up uh catching another juvenile acutus i don't know if it was the same one from like the first einstein but yeah so i i I'll just take it as another so you know three acutus to and that was kind of like my finale for herping in panama after that i went back to some relatives that have like a nice big botanical garden set up and they have some snakes but besides that my herping was over so it was a great send-off for, for panama yeah so those, uh so do you ever see like any uh basilisks down down there yeah yeah they'll, yeah, they'll so we'll the have, greens or the browns they're the browns so i don't think i don't think panama has the greens i think those are truly uh south american okay yeah i mean i've seen plenty of browns when i was down in florida but mm -hmm. oh yeah those guys i mean almost all the stuff in florida is there to stay you know yeah but it's like a, it's like a herper's paradise or or naturalist uh nightmare <laughs> however you want to take it <laughs> yeah the herper in me loves it the naturalist in me is like not that big of a joyer but the evolutionary biologist in me is like this could be interesting give it like another 500 years <laughs> see how things turn out <laughs> yeah dude yeah there's so many rabbit holes with that too because you know I, so like I you know deviant art you know like that forum or whatnot and uh, yeah and, and even on Instagram like I, I love speculative evolution stuff yeah you know I wish I was gifted at drawing or I would just draw a bunch of creators of what I would think it would be like in in the next millennia or so like especially with herps you know like uh like think about Cuban crocs think about this if we never if they never lost the uh the ground sloths and then. Uh, the other land mammals they had there they'd yeah. be way more they'd be way more terrestrial than they are now yeah definitely yeah but but I, I feel like the pendulum is going back to to the to the waters with those guys and also they're just getting flooded with acutus so yeah 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 and they, they used to have a bigger range too they used to be in in the other hispaniola islands yeah 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 so they're a real neat species they're like they're arguably my favorite crocodilian besides black caiman yeah yeah i once heard someone say if you did a survey of like 100 croc people 75 was of them would say cubans are their favorite so i mean it's hard it's hard not to see why yeah you know yeah so outside of uh panama have you ever done any other international herping well, funny enough, that brings me back just to touch on the dwarf caiman stuff. You know, those are so dwarf caiman and black caiman. Those are what I'm kind of aiming to see in the near future. You know, not okay. really a kind of sport, not really a kind of spoiler, but I would love to see them. You know, like I said, just because they're the uh, palpabrosis, they're the bros of dwarf caiman. It's just 
nice, nice big specimen would be awesome to see and just examine and see how they are. And, you know, it's funny how they kind of, uh, I guess, I guess you wouldn't say partition, but I don't know any other words. They partition with trigonotus. I think, uh, yeah, niche partitioning. I think, yeah, I think they have bigger ranges, and 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 then, and they occupy you know the same environments kind of differently. I think they're more terrestrial than trigonotus. Trigonotus seems to not go too far off land. From what I've heard, trigonotus prefers like more deep, uh, deep forest, sh small streams, whereas palbrosus first maybe a bit more open habitat with larger rivers. That's just what I've heard. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I'll send you the link. Maybe you read the same paper. I read it from a uh, from research research gate. It was like a 2017, 2018 paper that was telling how they were like niche partitioning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, black caiman too, because black caiman doesn't get enough press as a crocodilian. I mean, oh, yeah. many of them, many of them don't. But black caiman in general, you know, they're such a, they're just a great big beast. I mean. Oh yeah. I mean, they look. They make, they make our American alligators look like puppies, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone just thinks, how they look. Yeah, everyone always thinks that all caimans are small because they're all, all used to seeing like videos of jaguars hunting spectacle caimans or something like that. Yeah, they don't realize yeah, yeah. they don't realize black caiman are the actual apex predators of the Amazon. Yeah, the wolves or whatnot. They're they're, they're real neat. Uh, so what are some uh, places you've herped in uh, the U.S. outside of the Midwest? Oof, man, yeah, you're making me tell a lot of good stories. Well, uh, just a couple of months ago, <laughs> no, no issues. Just a couple of months ago, I decided to go back to uh, Arizona. I have a sis that lives in Phoenix, so I kind of made it visiting family and herping because I planned it for the monsoon season. So oh, I kind of, nice. yeah. Kind of undershot it a little bit just just because of work and whatnot, and also I had my uh, my birder friend M. You know he he, he joined me too because you know he's a birder at heart. But I've been slowly but surely getting, converting uh, pulling him away, to, pulling him to the to the herb side of things. And so he he said he would come for a three day stay, and I was there for about thirteen days. And even though the monsoon didn't present itself in typical fashion, it still was pretty good. I mean, I had an absolute blast because I was in Arizona before a couple of years ago, but that was, again, more for, for family. And I, and I still got to see a speckled rattlesnake and uh, a couple of lizards and, and a night snake. But, you know, I was like, I, I got a little taste, so I got to go back for more. And that's what I kind of accomplished with this trip. You know, I kind of mainly, mainly stuck to the uh, Sky Islands in southeastern Arizona. You just see what they're they're all about their biodiversity and man just i mean arizona as a whole state it's insane just because the, of the percentage of uh, public land yeah but you know it's just you know they got a good thing going on there they really do i mean sadly too much of a good thing and you know californians and texans have taken notice and so they're <laughs> and so they're all moving there before i can but it's uh <laughs> it, it's, it's all good, I guess, in the end. But no, it, it was it was fantastic. Um, I guess when when M came is when we really started doing hardcore herping, going to the Sky Islands. Um, I think not the first night because he came. He he flew in at night, or he landed at night. So we kind of kind of went to one of the uh, 
mountain ranges, spent the night there. And even, even that, because we were pretty tired at that point, but even then we shined our life for a Sonoran desert toad. So, you know, uh, obviously we had to like it and get high that night. So that was fun. But, you know, what, what a magical beast of a toad, you know, they're just huge. I mean, they don't, they don't lie when they say that, you know, they can get a football size. <laughs> Thing. And then their their hops are ridiculous. Like you know, you seen like our American toads hopping around. Yeah. And imagine imagine them like I guess twenty times bigger, and then their hops are like <laughs> maybe not maybe not that big, but you, you get the picture. And and hopping of a less of a of a shorter distance, it just looks funny when these guys hop because <laughs> they're not really getting anywhere. <laughs> and it, and it makes you wonder how do these guys survive in the desert. You know, it just looks so out of place. Yeah. You know, so that, I mean, that was a trip. And then I guess, and, and relatively speaking, most of the things we saw, they were just all new for us. So that, that was, that was fantastic. Um, we went to the Chiricahuas. Chiricahuas didn't reward us too kindly, but just, just being in the, in those ranges was awesome. You know, the views getting over, you know, 8,000, 8,000 foot, you know, uh, we saw our, our highest, uh, highest herp there, uh, a little, little spiny lizard, like a, a jarro spiny lizard, one I think. Like in, in the sunlight, it, it freaking sheens just this metallic sheen. So, you know, that's real cool. And then a couple of nights ago, like this a couple of nights ago, you know, I lost my mind because we were in, we were in another mountain range and we decided to take this trail. And at night, and uh, while we were walking, there's a lot of rocky outcrops on this trail. I was like, man, there has to be some montane rattler here. There has to be something out. And, you know, you know, we were kind of striking out. We didn't even see a toad or a lizard in sight. And, you know, we saw we saw a blacktail earlier that night. So we were already elated because, you know, M, I don't think he's ever seen a rattler in the wild. And, you know, and, you know, that was the species I most wanted to see. I, I know they're common, but they're beautiful. I mean, you've seen photos of them. They're beautiful snakes. Yeah. And the one we found with, like, a nice young adolescent, just black and gold, like, just gold as all get out. So, I mean, that was a real neat species to encounter. But later later that night while walking the trail, you know, uh, I shine this walking outcrop, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing a triad color. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way, and then I'm like, dude, there's it was a it was a uh, Madrina mountain king snake. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, it was just on the crawl. It, it was like low seventies that night, just on the crawl, like picture perfect. I, I turned my head, and it was literally just right there. Nice. So obviously, obviously, we did the appropriate thing is that we bagged it, and then later we sold it at the uh, at the reptile show the next. <laughs> no, 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 no. For all uh, feral wildlife. Uh, Agencies listening, I do not endorse this behavior. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I had the, I had my uh, proper stamp or whatever permit that comes with the fishing game. But no, no, no. Yeah, I did keep, I, I kept that sucker overnight to just at least photograph them. But it, it was a fantastic snake to, to behold, you know, because, you know, they're common too. But obviously, you know, herpers can go there all the time without seeing them and, and actually target to see them. For my Arizona trip, I wasn't really targeting anything. I was targeting more of a habitat. And then to see what comes with that. So, you know, that was the trip was made that night, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like 
um, in about a month, I'll be actually uh, flying out to California to visit uh, my brother and his wife. But I actually know a guy out there in the same county as them, the Herpers, mm -hmm. uh, uh, is here. Roy Arthur Blodgett, one of the hosts of the uh, Project Herbeticulture podcast. But he and I were talking, like, maybe me up and go herping for a day. Probably won't see any snakes because, you know, it's December in Northern California. But yeah, maybe yeah. some salamanders, so. Maybe some sows, maybe some spinies, because you know you'd be surprised how resilient they are. If it's a sunny day but cold, they'll they'll be out. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. You get to meet that dude. You know, I, I hear their podcast with him and Phil. I mean, it's a it's a great podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I had him on my podcast, I was that yeah back out in uh, back out in uh, California back in February. Yeah, February. Or mm -hmm. No, it's Jan January. Uh, for my brother and his wife's wedding, but like I had him on, had him on the podcast like a few months later. And we we're just talking. It's like, Earth. wait, where are you in California? He said, Oh yeah, Mendocino County. I was like, What? I was literally there like two months ago. <laughs> oh, dude, that's the worst. You're literally right there, but you stay to know. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah. county in a western state, so in the same county could be basically saying yeah oh yeah we're both in vermont we're just just on opposite sides but oh that's a great scale using vermont <laughs> that's like that's like us americans we use anything for calculations and, <laughs> and approximations oh that's hilarious well, that's great, man, approximately yeah. two black rat snakes away from each other <laughs> or one big bull snake you know yeah, yeah. they have red red-legged frogs in that part right in northern california like now i'm testing your knowledge of cali herbs <laughs> i just see how you're going like i'm so embarrassed now <laughs> nah i mean cali's a big by the verse state too so that's that's cool i had a buddy he's part of a, a landscaping uh, department for u of i here um and he's seen some uh incitinas you know some incitinas and uh some some uh, rosy bows Ooh, nice yeah, and I think with rosies that you can see them on cold days too, because you know, being a boa, they kind of if it's sunny enough, they'll, they'll be kind of active. Yeah, kind of basking a little bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like garter snakes around here. So, oh, dude, yeah. What's the coldest you've seen a, a garter snake that you can kind of know? Uh, see here. Oh, I was a little kid, and it was like, I think we were like celebrating like uh, Thanksgiving in my grandmother's place. It was probably in like the forties or fifties. And we just went yeah, to the basketball yeah. court and right basketball court she has in the backyard and right next to the base of one of the goalposts was a garter snake just coiled up. So I just remember we were having to wear jackets and all, but yeah, same bio teacher told me about. It. He said one time he was walking out of his woods, middle of January. It's just one of those, you know, you're from the Midwest, so you know, even in January, you just get a random day where it gets up to like 60. Yep. And sure enough, there was a garter snake coiled up in a little sunny patch on the fourth floor. So middle of January. Awesome. yeah man so when i whenever i go out to the field i always try to end my day with this so this is kind of like my herping journal you know i just write all the species i found maybe some special notes like temperatures and just just notes in general and i this uh past march uh some buddies and i we found our coldest uh cold coldest snake it was a little decays <laughs> and, and and it, it was a day that we were mainly focused for uh, for salamanders and whatnot, and we succeeded on that great day. So this is 
about like the tail end of the day and uh, we were flipping and i flipped this log and then i saw like a, a cream white belly it's like that's that didn't seem like a worm so i flipped it again and like kind of in the crevice of the log was a little brown snake i had it you know kind of plopped in my hand I was like holy shit it's a brown snake guys and then, you know i attempt i attempted with my temp gun and it was like 42 degrees i was like I can't believe this. You know, that was the earliest I've seen, or the coldest I've seen a snake. And then, obviously, he's starting to kind of get roused up by my body heat. I was like, "Oh, this can't happen," because you know, I'll kind of mess him up. So I just tucked him yeah. back in. But, but it, that was awesome to see. And then, like you, yeah, I've seen garters on cold days too. You know, I've seen them. I've seen them real active at forty-five degrees, overcast yeah. too. I mean, it's just it's insane what what these guys can tolerate. Yeah. Yeah. Do you keep any uh, herbs yourself as pets? No, no, because that would be selfish. Because actually right now I'm, I'm living with my parents just because I told you my dad, you know, he's having some health issues. So I'm, yeah. I'm helping them out. With, I'm helping them out with that. I, I would like to keep a few or keep a few snakes. I actually do have two long-term herbs I've had for a while. I have a, I have a Russian tortoise I've had for about uh, 18 years, like since I was five. It's, it's insane that. He's, he's still alive, to be honest, with the amount of treatment, I, I, maltreatment I've given him in the past. Yeah. But thankfully, he, thankfully, he's good. He looks great. And then I have a, a blue tongue skink that I've had for about six years now. Okay. Yeah. Right. What, about, what about you? I know you keep some stuff, right? Yeah, so you've got a couple, uh, got three iron jar carpets, uh, one big female diamond carpet. Okay, okay. Uh, couple of thorn scrub rat snakes, couple of I don't know which locality or subspecies of gopher snake, I just know they're a gopher snake. So, <laughs> same, same, man. you gotta know. Yeah, I know, I know. I was just they're just sold to me as gopher snakes, so I had I'm not much of a I'm not well versed enough on pituophis localities to be able to just discern them with my bare eye, but zero. Yeah. Uh, well, well, at least you can have those. You know, in, in, in our state, we kind of technically can't sell or, or have our bull snakes. You know, it's kind of like one of those those laws, but it would yeah. be nice to have. With our, with our, uh, so the way that the state's set up with our uh, fishing license, we're able to possess, I think, I think four species. But even then, you know, you can't, can't breed them, can't sell them. I don't even yeah. know if you can even get, gift them, but yeah, a bull snake, especially from Illinois, would be. I, that's something I like to see in the future, preferably when I'm out of state. But yeah, you know, because I'm I'm all about native herbs and stuff. But it's cool that you got carpets, man. I, I love carpets. Yeah, let's see here. What else do I have? Uh, I have one uh, female biak green tree python. Oh wow! And let's see here, juvenile rhino iguana. Who I'm still trying to grow up. I always forget I have that one random Stevenson's python. He just keeps on forgetting my slipping my mind. Well, they're tiny. They're little guys, so little assholes what they are. But yeah, <laughs> and That's what then I hear, uh, man. then recently just got a false water cobra. So been, oh whoa, really? Been listening to way too much uh, Zach Lofman for my own good, apparently. Apparently. Um... I saw him the other day when I was in Tilly. You know, I got I got oh, his nice. book. I got I got him to sign it and whatnot. So that was that was real cool. He's a he's a cool guy. I like their podcast yeah. too. 
And, you know, I'm just, like, uh, I'm just waiting for him to show up to the next Ohio Reptile Expo just so I can get him to sign my copy. So, oh, you got a copy too? Nice. Yeah. Yeah, man. I need to get another copy just so I can store it away forever and never look at it. Little uh, personal collection library versus actual used library. Yeah. Yeah, they can be ripped to tray, what, whatever, but as long as the personal collection is clean and tidy, it's all The mint collection. Yeah, for future reference. But no, man, that's, that's real neat. Fal falsies are awesome. Uh, they get real big, so man, that's a lot of snake. Yeah, that's, mine is already four foot, so... But and then there's I got also, my nice size enclosure, so okay, good. And you know, the funny thing about breeding, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, it's like they, they can double clutch, like clutch after clutch, and they can, uh, I mean, it's just they're egg laying machines. Yeah, I only have the one, so I'm probably going to hold off and get another one until I get so I could financially afford to get another like <laughs> six to eight foot long enclosure. Do <laughs> you have room for it? Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I actually love big colubrids. Obviously, as you mentioned, the bull snake. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of simple in that fact. Like little guys, I, I appreciate and love too. I find them super interested, interesting. But obviously, with bigger animals, you just kind of you tend to have more of a connection. I feel like. Yeah, I've always been interested in getting, getting something like I don't know, like a Russian rat snake, or I don't know, maybe not a Chinese king, because those things could be, from what I heard, be very temperamental. But yeah, yeah, I see them. Being sold at the show. Oh, actually, there was one species of snake that kind of blew my mind. That that was there. Obviously, it was, it was an import, but it was a you know those Tyus rat snakes from from Asia. I Most think people it, say Tyus or Tyus. Uh, I think so. Uh, uh, are those Ganyasoma? No, no, that's the actual genus name, Tyus, Tyus. Okay, uh, I'm not familiar with them. I think off the top of my head. Well, they have they have a species in that genus that is uh, arguably one of the biggest colubrids too. You know, it's like a, a keeled rat snake type of thing, Carnata. But any, anyway, this one was like a, a marginita nada something. Like it was an emerald green. Like probably look it up after this after this podcast. Fantastic emerald green looking just, snake. Might look just look it up right now. Just okay, yeah, so, yeah, Batias negro marginata. Batias. Batias, B A T. No, 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 no. So it's weird. Batias, so P, so P T Y A S. P A T. No, no, no. A P T Y A S. And then Negro, and then it should just pop up for you. And you know the common names in green rat snake, but terrible. Negro marginata. Yeah. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And they get big too. Okay, yeah, now, now you spelled it out for me. Yeah, now I have heard of, of Patias, but now I remember, think about it. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the more expensive uh, imports. You know, they were selling them about almost 5,000 bucks a, a snake. <laughs> Dang. But, I mean, I mean, yeah, just look at it. It's just, oh, yeah. I was, I was drooling all over it before the before the, the owner was like, oh, can I help you, you know? It's like, oh, no, it's never like, mind. No, I'm 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 poor. I'm sorry. Yeah, just admiring. That's all. That's all. Yeah. And then we had, you know, you have uh, you have Jason Hood. You know, you know, with his with his collection, you know, he has the tiger rat snakes, um, and like the oh, bird yeah. bird snakes, all the all the tropic tropical stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Tilly is just a great show in terms of its diversity. You know, I've been going since 2018. It seems to steadily, steadily get more and more diverse. This this show was like in between. It wasn't as diverse as I've seen it, but it was still pretty good for being a mainly boa and ball python show. Yeah, yeah. Sir, uh, I need to go to Tinley sometime. Before, say I'm an actual adult for once, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I recommend. But, it. Yeah, but that same trip I mentioned, I'm going out to California. I'm actually going to be flying down to, te to Texas. Actually, a few days after that, to visit a few friends down there. Actually, going to be visiting Dieter's place as well. Do a little East Texas herping. But one of the big goals is uh, South of San Antonio. See some old college friends and actually take them to their first reptile expo at uh, one of those big old Texas expos they're having that weekend. Ooh, like a herps, like a herps expo or something. Something like that. So that's, that's cool, man. Yeah, you got like. Got yourself lined up a nice little adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I remember just going to one random expo, one like in the greater Houston area. And mm. as someone who just went to like the All How Expo for most of my life, that's just like a very, very different experience. It's almost intimidating experience because I'm not used to going <laughs> to expos and seeing like a bunch of stalls have stuff closed in, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff in Delhi Kelp's lined with red tape you know to mark out a hot true so I'm, true yeah. i'm not i'm not used to going to exos and saying like oh i get like an atrox for 200 dollars or something like that it's like oh, yeah. boon for 50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh wow a morley's croc 500 bucks that's tempting oh <laughs> that's, dude. that's dangerously tempting um, well i heard some of those pennsylvania oh. expos can get kind of crazy as well so rambunctious more like it yeah yeah uh funny enough a couple of years ago i went to like a i think it was a show me snake expo down in missouri and there you can you can uh they can sell venomous as well and in, in, in illinois in the state you can't sell venomous at all it's offhand yeah. but in missouri when i was at you know i was seeing exactly what you were describing the red tape i saw little monocle cobras uh gaboon vipers and and i even seen crocodilians you know and funny yeah. enough yeah more or less they seem to be pretty common or at least one of the more commonly sold crocs and yeah and I, real cheaply. I, and I think i know uh the reason why for that is uh pretty much all crocodilians outside of uh american alligator uh the paleosuchus and uh more lace you need a federal license to transport them across state lines unless you're being loaned or gifted one for okay so and they don't have from what I heard, they don't hand out federal licenses anymore. So, <laughs> so it's kind of a free for all, you know. Yeah, but uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, in Ohio we do have kind of strict uh, exotic laws. So, except with this one major exception for crocodilian enjoyers such as myself, Paleosuchus for is perfectly legal to own without a permit here. So, I need to get back into those someday. Yeah, and you know, I mean, obviously not too many people are equipped to handle any kind of crocodilian. But the nice thing about those guys, if you're passionate and dedicated to it, you can make them have a good living and relatively small space, I guess. Maybe a room is preferable, but small space. Yeah. I would say if you are if you can take care of a, wa a big adult water monitor, right, you could probably take care of a Billy Sickus, right? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I have my own opinions about, you know, mass-produced animals. That's why I find, you know, the pet, like the herpetoculture side, so interesting. Because yeah, I, I am a part of it, but it, it's nice having kind of that outsider's perspective looking into, you know, like like retakes and water bottles. There's just there's way too many of them. Yeah. Tegus too. Tegus too. Just they're all, and you know, tegus are another one. I love them, but they're also one of the more one of the more apt species to actually kind of be real detrimental, you know, and just in like those southeastern states. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, I would love to own one though. You know, they're they're like a big lizard. I like to own. Yeah, definitely. So, what are some uh? dream herping places you've ever wanted to go you know bucket list herping places oh man i don't want to give it all away but obviously australia australia was a big big uh, bucket list for me a long time um i'm not sure when you know i'm not sure when those that'll be in the works but yeah i'd love to go to uh, the kimberley's uh, northern territory um, I, I did listen to that episode with uh, Ricky Mack and you. That was that was a great show. <laughs> oh, I definitely enjoyed that one. Yeah, I mean, dude's a freaking legend. He's you know he's only like not even thirty. He's a freaking legend. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it'd be great to go out there because tons of species I'd love to see, like you know, salt salties, freshies, uh, big scrub pythons. I love scrubbies. Oh yeah, same here. Yeah. So yeah. So mainly, I'd say Australia, and then I guess uh, for more relevant uh, bucket list trips, you know, just sticking to to this side of the, of the hemisphere. You know, um, going back to Panama, I like to explore a bit more there. Uh, Mexico, just all the tropical stuff. Everything below America, I would like to go to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't say much about it, but next year, some some friends and I we're probably going to finally cap off this uh, South America uh, expedition. You know, finally enter it because you know being in Panama I was so close, but uh, you know it's, it's not close, but no cigar. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, you know. I'll just say some of the places we're we're considering are places like like Colombia or 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 Peru. Among among other others, but uh, I won't really get away. Probably talk about it later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's actually one of the just some random dream that probably will not never happen. But always think about is uh, I'm thinking about starting a bit more on the YouTube side, making some more videos and stuff like that. Yeah, if a girl is big enough to be kind of self supporting, I've always dreamed of uh. Like getting like one of those sprinter vans, you know, do the whole van life thing or whatever, and like mm -hmm. just drive down through Central and South America making a low budget, high effort herp documentaries. So, well, dude, let me know. I'll I'll be part of your crew without a moment's notice. I mean, because I, I kind of have the same feeling. I mean, because you know, I have a YouTube channel, and it's mainly just for me. But you know, I and I, I do everything myself. But you know, I have a semi-professional camera it's a nikon and you know I, you know i photograph and i try to document what i do and then i try to comp compile it and make it to something that i think is a uh, watchable <laughs> but i would love to like you know actually have more stuff to to i guess record and make it like semi semi-professional so that's yeah. a great that's a 
that's a great idea, man. So definitely uh, keep to it in some yeah. fashion or other. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's deep, man. But yeah, besides you know, besides Australia and the, the tropics, um, I actually do love America. You know, I love the USA just with how big and and biodiverse we are. So you know, going to Arizona was was a big deal to me and just kind of open my eyes a little bit more because I've also been to Texas uh, only only once. I've been to Texas because uh, I don't I don't include Dallas Airport. Everybody. <laughs> a lot of connecting flights a lot of connecting flights are through there i don't really count that but i've been to uh southern tip of texas okay, see like what's going on over there. yeah yes sir <laughs> so you already know that you kind of know the hurt list down there and you know, I, that's kind of what i did i've never made it that far down south in texas pretty much all the time i spent in texas in the greater houston area so well it's still nice it's still eastern though you know Nice yeah. and hot and, and moist. Very, very humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the only uh, couple species I struck out on was a speckled racer. Oh, uh, okay. That's yeah. like really the only species. Uh, do you know uh, Andrew Austin at all? Yeah, like the wildlife experience guy. I, uh, yeah. I messaged him the- here and there. Yeah, I'm buddies with him, so I'm actually going to be uh, herping East Texas. Hopefully, do a little bit of herping with him when in East Texas next month. So, well, he, he sounds like such a smart guy. You know, he, he he's so interesting. You know, he's a hunter, he's a naturalist, environmentalist, all that. You know, it's just like, man, what a, what a stud. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's cool, man. It's great that you're friends with him. Yeah. Uh, so, we're some uh, ultimate goal uh life or species you want to see before you die well darn man we kind of went through some already um i guess i could touch on the texas trip just a little bit and most people will kind of get a sense of what's down there you know indigos you know texas indigos is a big deal speckled racer of course um the black stripe like uh corno famous like those small little uh little, little fossorial snakes and you know since it was my first time in texas almost everything was a life or two so i got to see my Western coach web. I got to see some um, Ruthen's whip snake and then and then shot whip snake. Like Massacoff is like whip snakes in general. They're they're real neat species. You know they're like you know a little more elongate than our racers and just real neat. I mean obviously with the coach whips, seeing seeing that braiding scalation is like wow, that's a that's a pretty snake. And then you know I, I was able to see I was able to see a phenomenal specimen for my life for uh, Texas indigo. It was a six footer. You know, dang. And you know how most people say, "Man, this snake was six feet." I mean, it's like I was pretty calm in a moment, but like this is like I stretched that snake out, and you know, I'm five nine, and you know, he, he was still above my head when I stretched him out. So, <laughs> so I mean, besides the uh, the American croc capture, that was like the other hurt that gave me like some of the biggest exhilaration and adrenaline. Because, you know, I was I was kind of nervous. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of nervous with a snake that big because, you know, I, I was walking for a while and I was around like arroyos and like and like water sources. And I wasn't really having much luck besides like ribbon snakes and stuff. And then I'm walking around the corner and then on this gra- grassy patch near near this pond or lake, you know, there's this big kind of coiled Texas indigo. And he was like, it was interesting in his behavior because he was like scenting. Like, he was he had his head kind of stuck down like this and he was sniffing the ground. He was doing like short tongue flicks. So he was either maybe, I don't know, looking for a mate or, or looking for food. 
And then obviously this big dumb monkey comes here and disturbs him. So I was like, I crouched, I crouched down beside him. I kind of gave him a, a small uh, pat on the back. And then he just, he kind of looked up, stopped what he was doing. And he turned to look at me and he looked at my hand. I was like, uh, I know the jaw pressure is pretty, pretty decent. So I wouldn't want to bite, but no, it was just more curious. And then it was like, oh, this hand is a part of something bigger. And then it was going to dip. And then I just grabbed him and as calm as can be. Yeah. They'd really do earn their uh, genus name, Dry Mark on. They are emperors for sure. They're arguably my favorite um, favorite snake genus we have here. And we're so, we're so lucky, too, to have them in the States. Oh, yeah. You know, especially te- and Texans, especially because, <laughs> yeah. you know, Flor- Florida, Georgia, it's just everything's kind of off limits or like, you know, you see them, there's a, f- a fleeting glimpses of them. But Texas, they're a little bit more mainstayed over there, thankfully. Yeah. You know, I've seen them in Texas and I've, I've seen them in Mexico. Like if I were to do like if I were to dream of making like a documentary similar to what you're talking about, I would try to focus on dry marking. And then their geographic range, like, like document the species and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're, they're the closest, I would say, in terms of snakes to to mammalian carnivore. You know, they, they get real big. Their metabolism's a lot faster than most of the other colubrids, and and, and they 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 fill they fill a, a similar niche. You know, as being quote unquote apex predators and stuff. Yeah, you know. Just look at their diet. They're almost like a snake equivalent of a, I guess, a mongoose. I guess now they take down other snakes and all sorts of other small game. Everything and everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, yeah. speaking <laughs> on on mongooses, um, you know, like uh, like like uh, mustelids, like you know, weasels and all that stuff. Yeah. There's a there's this mustelid in Central America called a, a grison. I think okay. I was reading it. It was like a uh, like a natural history note or something, and it was a like a black-tailed crebo, like you know, Mexican indigo or whatever. And it was a, it was one, an adult that was killed by and preyed upon by grison. And we're talking like you know, these are mustelids, so they're not big. And, and, but you know, mustelids are just they're such badasses of, of, pred, of predators. They'll take on any and everything as well. And you know, I was, I was reading the paper and it showed the um, the the photograph of of the monkey because it was like a uh, like a game trail camera capture and it showed like this must have that must have not been bigger than two and a half feet long and then it's dragging this like almost six foot long an indigo snake <laughs> you know it, it was a little kick because like i like indigos i don't like seeing that happen to them but it's like man that's a badass animal if you can consider that food yeah 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 but yeah speaking of the indigos i always find it hilarious kind of hilarious how uh you know, coral snakes to take down other snakes that have this really, you know, uh, potent neurotoxin. King snakes, they'll wrap up constrict, you know, kind of typical yeah, manner. Yeah. Dramarcon, they don't do any of that. They just grab. There's like, just I'm just going to MMA yeah. thrash you around. <laughs> yeah, alive or not, you're, you're going down my gullet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's insane. I, I actually... I would love to keep one too. Like when I'm out of the house, I would probably keep the species. Yeah. But you know, from everything I heard with that race metabolism, it's going to have to go through a lot of substrate. Yeah. But I mean, you're kind of already getting that with the, with the falsies, aren't you? 
Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, different snake, same box, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Are there any? Well, besides uh, to remark on, are there any dream species you want to keep in the future? There's a lot, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't do all of them just because you know taking any more animals it's not a burden but it's just slightly is because obviously you have more responsibilities you have more lives to take care of so i would never want to have a big collection but yeah i mean i, I would like to add some more maybe some more u.s herbs like uh some some lampopelta species i i funny enough uh here in my home county i i kind of do a stud book of a milk snake populations so you know huh. Yeah, it's kind of an association with the park district. Like, like this one, this one manager, you know, he likes me a lot, and he's cool with me doing these, um, these kind of like, I guess, surveys with cover cover boards. Like, not giving away too much, but basically just that, just doing that kind of self inventory type of thing. And I, I found up to, I have two sites, and I found up to twenty milk snakes now. So, you know, they can be real dense when they want to be. Yeah, and I know, I've had here as well. Yeah, yeah, just like. Just like citizen science stuff where you know i've seen the same individuals for like two three years now including this one big female that's like that's like three three and a half feet like some of them are real old and real real big in this population and you know i think last year she was gravid and then this year i think she she was gravid again so it's funny she was like successful enough with food and healthy enough that she you know is producing clutches out there yeah and that's kind of same here in Ohio. I've noticed with uh, milk snakes, you either you, you have them or you don't. You'll find them in really dense pockets, and it's like nothing in between almost. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. All you gotta do is just lay down some cover if you're lucky enough, and you know the, the snakes will come. And you know, uh, if you, you build know, it, they, they will come. Exactly, if you build, it. or if you, if you lay it, if you lay it, they'll come. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, our state and you know some of the other Midwestern states, you know, they're notorious for having some of the prettiest milk snakes, like the, the red milks before they were lumped back then with Easterns, like uh, Southern Illinois, like oh I mean they're they're jaw dropping. Their coloration yeah. went on. So they're they're one I would like to have as well. Yeah. So uh at Shawnee on um, the Snake Road, what all have you ever seen when you've ever gone there? Well, funny enough, there's a book. I forgot who the author is, but you know, snakes of you know, Larue Pines of Snake Road. I think I've seen basically all of them besides um, the flat-headed snake and uh, a timber rat timber rattler. Funny enough, I haven't really spent time to you know to see them. Thankfully, the sightings and it seems like the populations are increasing. So more than ever, people are seeing them on the road, which is awesome. Um, milk snakes are a tough one. Milk snakes are tough in general because you know they're fossorial nature, but I've, I've actually seen one crossing in Illinois or in Snake Road as well, so that's cool. Um, I've seen you know green, Mississippi green water snakes, which is another neat one because they reach their northern extent in Shawnee. Uh, I guess some other water one other water snake is a diamond diamondback that I haven't seen on the road itself, but I've seen them in Illinois, I've seen them in other parts. Um, so. And obviously, kind of mouse, you know, that's what the that's what Snake Road is mainly known for. So I've seen yeah. my fair share. And, and, you know, like just like what other people say, it's more about the people. 
and the place itself than just the snake. So it's great getting to know people, meeting other YouTubers, other herpers, you know, and who, who you can call your buddies at the end of the day if you can if you connect with them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So no. it's a great place. Definitely gonna try to get there this spring. So spring is awesome. You know, we had a great spring. I think across Illinois, that's that's why I kind of think leads to my success this season because it felt like there was way more snakes on the crawl, just way more stuff being out to be found this year. Just just in terms of numbers and diversity, like like uh, we were almost at forty species of herps this spring in southern Illinois, and and it was like well, we were some buddies and me were just down there for like the weekend, like a three day weekend, and that's and we found that many. Dang. Uh, well, is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, it's always good to leave people wanting more, you know. Um, I, I think we covered a good swath of topics and stuff. You know, it's, it's great that you sent out the invite so we can just hang and talk. So, you know, yeah. I'm glad you, you, you invited me on. And, you know, I hope I hope the listeners enjoyed some of my, my, my topics that I talked about, you know. Right. Well, uh, where can people find you online? Oh, so let's start with youtube i guess so uh golden hipster journey or i think it's golden hipster now and then if you want to type in snake next to it my, my channel is like the first one to pop up because of my name and then and then for his instagram you can follow me at don d-o-n and then underscore bond b-o-n <laughs> underscore junior you know it was back when i was feeling kind of like being a, a mafia guy so i i, I had don in my name <laughs> but yeah that's mainly all i do i may try to you know, educate and just and just show some enjoyable photos of, of herbs and just you know hopefully spit some facts. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you, bud. All right, take care. You too.